Welcome, Drew, to the Wholesome Crypto Podcast. Thank you so much for being with me today. Yeah, thank you, Rudy. It's uh, such a pleasure to be here and to connect with someone who has a very similar view and uh, alignment in, in the in the Web3 crypto space. So yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, exactly. And Drew, you're, you are the uh, founder and uh, creator of Crypto Altruism. So helping nonprofits and crypto and just being uh, someone that is looking out for others in crypto instead of trying to rug everyone else in crypto. So it's nice <laughs> to have that sense. And I'm excited mm-hmm. to learn more about crypto altruism. Before we get into that, I still want to know a little bit about Drew and mm-hmm. where was Drew before ever even hearing about like Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies? Yeah, yeah. So um, so grew up in Canada uh, in a suburb kind of around Toronto. Um, really growing up, I was always very interested in the work of like, you know, change makers, nonprofits, activists, grassroots movements. I thought it was just really like powerful, like seeing people who like dedicated you know, their lives to that work. And so I wanted to get into the nonprofit sector and see if I could support that work. Um, so went to uh, university just for like a, you know, liberal arts kind of degree. I um, actually started working in the higher education space, got a master's of education, um, worked in um, a couple of universities and colleges here. Uh, in the in the greater Toronto area, we call it. Um, but then I kind of was reminded of, you know, growing up and that I always really wanted to get into the nonprofit space. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something I was really passionate about. I, you know, sat on a couple of boards, volunteered for some nonprofits while I was working in the higher ed space. And I decided, you know, I was feeling burnt out working in higher education and I wanted to make that shift. Um, so I got into the nonprofit sector, uh, worked for, you know, a couple of different organizations, managed a, a homeless shelter, managed a halfway house, um, you know, did some volunteering as well and stuff. Um, and then, you know, I, I found that my, my skill set was really in things like grant writing and, and strategic planning and those sorts of things. So I decided during COVID, you know, when there was that great resignation, you know, I was feeling burnt out again. And I think that's kind of a pattern. I, you know, really struggled to kind of just stay in, in one place and, you know, make a long-term thing out of it um, until hopefully now I, in, in the crypto space. Um, but yeah, feeling a little burnt out. Want to do something different? I started a consultancy for strategic fundraising, strategic plan ra- uh, planning work for nonprofits. Worked with dozens of organizations around the world, um, with everything from you know securing grant funding to developing strategic plans to developing outreach strategies. And around uh, you know a few years back, I started learning about crypto as well, which I'm sure we'll dive into. But uh, yeah, that's kind of the the lead up to before I started crypto altruism. Nice, and was. Did you have like family that was into the same sector as you or this is kind of just what you were into? Yeah, not really. I mean, <laughs> my mom was in education growing up, but really it was something different. Um, you know, I uh, it's just something that always stuck with me for some reason. I always got really inspired seeing people that, you know, that made their careers and their lives about, you know, making other people's lives better and improving the world. And I wanted to be able to contribute to that, uh, you know, if I could and to support the work of those individuals. Um and yeah, <laughs> so not, not really. Yeah, it's kind of something, you know, I guess different for me. Was there someone who mentioned Bitcoin to you or cryptocurrency? You know, it's funny because at the beginning of every podcast episode, I ask people like, what was your aha moment? What got you excited about cryptocurrency? Yeah. I can't remember how I first learned about <laughs> it, to be honest, or where I first heard about it. Um, but I didn't really get into it and in probably until about 2018, 2019. Like I, I had heard okay. about it before. You know, I since the early 20, you know, 2010s, probably like 2013 or so, I, I was aware of it, following it, but didn't really get into it until probably around 2018. But yeah, I honestly don't remember how I first heard about it. <laughs> it's hard to remember, too, because mm-hmm. especially if you're just hearing it through news and like, oh, Bitcoin's up $100, like, cool, yeah. then 
back down to ten dollars. Okay, expected, and then it back up to a thousand dollars, and you're kind of surprised. And then yeah, exactly. 2018 comes along, and you're like, oh shit, I should have, I should have been paying more attention to it. So then, yeah, that's I definitely missed it. the train from an investment point of view. I think. Uh, I mean, hopefully things you know improve in the future, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've missed every train, so it's okay. <laughs> That's good. And then you, uh, in 2018, you were you know getting into the crypto space itself. How did you figure out you could link your career experience into crypto? Yeah, and so this is where it got really exciting for me because when I first got into it, like I've been into investing since I was kind of like first able to invest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on my own. Right. And so I'd always been really interested in the stock market and investing in, in um, you know, companies that I felt aligned with my values and stuff like that. Um, then I, you know, came across uh, really started getting into crypto, you know, talking, I think, with friends and stuff, reading about it, reading about the technology more behind it, because I've always been like a super interested in, you know, emerging technologies. Yeah. Um, and so I said, you know, I'm just going to throw a little bit in, buy a little bit about, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum stuff to learn about the space. Right. Um, and then as, as I got into the space, I kind of fell down the rabbit hole as so many do and, and learned about the technology. And then I kind of came across this like community of folks that were like, how can we use this technology for good? Right. Um, and so that really started like with crypto philanthropy, seeing different you know projects that were uh, donating uh, funds to organizations all over the world, whether it's like an NFT project that was donating a portion of funds or like a platform like the giving block or endowment that, you know, their purpose is to help folks donate crypto to you know important causes and I start to see some really cool use cases. So, you know, crypto philanthropy for one, um, you know, as nonprofits are really struggling to engage younger donors, the average donor age in the non- in the U.S. is 65. So I was like, okay, oh, this wow. could be a really cool way for nonprofits to connect with younger donors. But then also seeing how blockchain could be used to deliver services potentially to get, uh, you know, emergency finances to folks that are uh, victims of an earthquake or natural disaster um, or refugees. Um, or, you know, to monitor impact of an organization and report it on chain in real time to, to funders and donors. So I was like, there's some really cool you know, applications here, right? But, you know, as I was trying to communicate this to colleagues and, and you know, bring people in the space, I was getting a lot of pushback around crypto is just a big Ponzi scheme. It's for criminals. It's yeah, yeah, all just a bunch of shadowy super coders in basements, <laughs> yeah. um, that narrative, right? And so um, there was this kind of disconnect between what the potential was and kind of what the perception was in, you know, the space of like traditional impact builders, I guess you could say. And so I said, okay, there's something here that I can maybe do. You know, I've always, a passion of mine is storytelling, you know, getting, you know, of, of writing, of creating content. And so I was like, okay, maybe I can use that passion. I can use my experience in the nonprofit sector. I can use my, you know, excitement for this technology and, and create something to tell the, the other side of the story, right? Um, and so it was really started as a, with a mission to kind of tell the other side of crypto and, and show the world that crypto can be a force for good if used properly. Um, and then ultimately with the goal of helping, you know, a lot of these impact builders, nonprofits, activists, you know, companies, whoever it is, use this technology for good in, in one way or another. And so that's kind of the the origin story, I guess you could say, um, and kind of where that intersection uh, came from. I totally, totally understand that too, because mm-hmm. a lot of first world countries use it as an investment vehicle. Like, oh, it's money that we can just make more money off of. But a lot of other countries that don't have stable governments, don't have stable financial institutions, or semi-stable financial institutions, Mm -hmm. this is a real means of currency for them in order to transact with other people semi-stably. Like, if you look at different countries like Argentina or Venezuela or even Turkey now, the value of their currency is just devaluing. It's just because it's too too inflationary and crypto is a means of okay i can 
convert that into maybe into like a stable coin, like a mm-hmm. US dollar coin, where before that was much harder to do. Like you can't just convert your lira or your um, whatever currency it is into dollars mm-hmm. so easily through banks. Sometimes governments even restrict that because they don't want you doing that. Yeah, It's a real problem around the world. And I think just now as we're experiencing like high inflation in America, which is like 7%, we're realizing, oh, money isn't stable. It isn't safe. And not, I'm not saying crypto isn't volatile, but mm-hmm. it's proving its use case where it needs to be controlled by the people and not by institutions. That's mm-hmm. the dream. And, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like, as you're saying too, for fundraising and donating money around the world, especially like for me personally, I had family who was affected in uh, Turkey with, with the earthquake there. And the first thing I did was go to the giving block and set up a donation campaign with them to help Amazing. my crypto following to be able to donate crypto if they wanted to, or, you know, dollars, whatever, like regular fiat terms um, awesome. to help with that. And, you know, we raised a good amount of money and that was exciting for me, mm-hmm. but just Amazing. like, thank you. And that's just like, just having the ability and how much good it can provide. That's the real essence of crypto. That's what, I feel like I've been seeing since 2013 and it's been covered and overshadowed by just greedy, greedy, greedy people and trying to rug other people to make as much money as they possibly can. Yeah. yeah, And sure. that's, that's the shame. And that's why I'm so excited for what you're building and what you're working on is kind of bringing that altruistic sense back into crypto and really helping other companies recognize what they can do because yeah, I've seen plenty of other uh, public good companies like um, Octant, Giveth, um, Rotsky is like a app that's uh, also public good and there's plenty plenty more like all the ETH staker people so I'm sure you're well aware yeah. but like what what projects have you I guess recently worked on that you um that you're excited about Yeah yeah for sure so it originally started uh crypto altruism as a uh a blog and a podcast and so um and it was really about that storytelling right of elevating those projects that were doing good I'm not like a tech builder myself per se. So I wasn't like, you know, I'm not going to go out and build some sort of blockchain based solution. There's a lot of people that that's their skill set. They're doing an awesome job at that. I'm going to help them tell their story and then help, you know, tell the other side of the story around the space uh, more generally and, and with the goal of hopefully helping change the narrative and onboard more folks to the space. But yeah, so the blog, we have about 250 blog posts and then a podcast with about 132 across two different series. But what I'm really excited that I'm working on right now. And it came from um, some funding I received from uh, Gitcoin grants and also through um, support from some, you know, uh, sponsors, other organizations in Web3 was to build uh, what we're calling a Web3 Changemaker Toolkit. And so what this is, is essentially a one-stop shop for nonprofits, activists, grassroots movements of any size or scope from anywhere in the world uh, that are interested in uh, learning about uh, the technology, how it applies to their mission and their work, how they can use it, and then knowing where to go from there, who to connect with you know, what tools and supports exist out there. Uh, so it's going to include some you know, basic video introductions to the, you know, core concepts of Web3 in language that's very, you know, basic and um, for anyone to understand, regardless of their background, um, a, a course on the different use cases in Web3 for uh, social impact lens. So that could be, you know, again, like fundraising, it could be um, monitoring impact, it could be delivering services, it could be engaging donors with NFTs or metaverse experiences, um, those sorts of things. Uh, and then there's going to be, um, like a self-serve kind of tool that nonprofits can do to say, okay, here's, you know, what my nonprofit does. Here's where we work. Here's kind of our, 
you know, our size, our budget, and then it's going to help them identify different, you know, tools and stuff and, and supports and per- potential partnerships and other projects that they can connect with in the space. So it's about like getting from a point of, I don't really know about the space or why, how it would apply, you know, to my nonprofit to understanding that and then under, you know, going from, you know, there to kind of what's the next step and how do I use it? And that came from some consultation with nonprofits too, you know, that said that the barriers to getting into the space were, you know, around like uh, a lot of you know, stigma was one piece, of course, like we talked about before, a lack of understanding of the technology, a lack of not knowing or not knowing where to start or not having a network within the space or not knowing mm-hmm. kind of what first step to take, um, how to manage risks in the space, you know, those sorts of things. So taking all that into mind, that's what I've uh, really been working on. And I couldn't have done it without the support of, you know, Gitcoin, first of all, the Gitcoin community is just incredible. And um, I don't know if you've uh, done a lot of digging into Gitcoin or not. And the work that they do, yeah, just just amazing. Uh, they've been so supportive, and you know, from beyond funding, also just you know, folks reaching out to establish partnerships, um, interested in supporting the work. And the same goes for uh, endowments, a great organization that's been a great partner as well, and has really helped uh, with that too. So, um, really, really excited for that. Um, and that's something that I've been really putting a lot of work into to really try to get that um, a beta of that out in the next uh, couple of months. Sure, and. Yeah, spending so much time. I guess the tough part about being a public good is that it's a lot of work and the reward doesn't come until later. Mm-hmm. And you're typically work trying to, like you said, like educate people that need it the most that this mm-hmm. is actually useful for you because they're just hearing what mainstream media says about crypto and how it's used for I don't know, drugs, crime, whatever. Yeah. And yeah. it's funny if you look at the stats, like crypto is the least use currency for those things it's actually yeah. the u.s dollar in traditional systems and it's like Absolutely, yeah no no one points that out and <laughs> yeah in your experience so far like you know working with crypto altruism have you found that it's becoming has a narrative been changing at all after your after your years of experience have you seen like progress yeah i think the narrative has been changing and I'm, that's not i'm not going to attribute that to the work that i'm doing you know at all i think that there's been a lot of great folks in the space that have really helped shift that narrative like you know those folks like the giving block and endowment that have you know helped millions and millions of dollars get to you know worthy causes there's been some really cool you know DAOs and other social impact movements um you know like gitcoin for example that's been really uh focusing on funding public goods which has been you know really exciting so that's really helped as well because so many great projects have have been born from that um, so I have seen a bit of a shift. I think that, you know, um, unfortunately, uh, there's also been some some headwinds uh, amongst that shift. You know, the the challenges that have been around, you know, the downfall of things like FTX and Gem- um, yeah. um, uh, Celsius, uh, FTX and Celsius. So I always get them all mixed up. <laughs> um, some of the rug pulls that have happened, the hacks, yeah. you know, the 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 bad actors out there. I think those things have really made people kind of pause and think about you know, uh, the space a bit. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's caused a lot more folks to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait to see if things stabilize before I engage. So I think that, you know, a lot of great progress has been made. People are starting to see that it's more than just a thing used by scammers or criminals, um, that it really is, you know, a very positive tool that can be used for good. Um, but at the same time, there's still a lot of hesitation because of, you know, the bad actors and a lot of the downfalls and challenges that have happened in, you know, in recent years, right? So I think it's it's a mix, right? There's been some great progress that's been made. But at the same time, um, that progress has been hindered by some of the challenges as well in the space. And now that you're focusing you know, more of your time on crypto altruism, more about you and personally, how do you manage your time in such a 24-7, nonstop, chattering industry? 
Yeah. Um, that, that's a good question. I think it's something <laughs> that I always struggle with. You know, I've always struggled with, you know, managing my time and also I think my energy, right? I think this is why I've found that I've in the past burned out, you know, um, previously in my, in my different careers I've been in, you know, struggled with you know, mental health and those sorts of things and finding that balance for sure. And, you know, so it's funny because I'm like, you know, I have that and then coming into the space that's so fast moving. So, you know, 24 seven, nonstop, doesn't maybe seem at the surface level like a great fit. But I think, you know, what I found is that the community is so supportive in Web3 that it's made it, a, you know, a bit easier, especially the like Web3 social impact kind mm -hmm. of space. It's, it's you know, growing. Uh, there's, there's more folks in that space than I originally thought. Uh, there's tons of people that are dedicated to that mission. They also really understand you know, the importance of, you know, personal regeneration and, and, and mindfulness and, and taking some time for your personal wellness. So um, I think that that's really helped um, seeing that community. You know, you always hear that people come for the technology or come for the, you know, the financial side of it, but stay for the people, stay for the community, you know, which I think is certainly true. So that community on its own has really helped uh, for sure. Um, but I think, you know, for me personally, I've just been really trying to be mindful of setting boundaries for myself in this space, right? of, you know, when it reaches five or 6 p.m. that I take some time away and that I'm not, you know, working through my dinner or that I'm not, you know, burning the midnight oil to, to get a project done and, and recognizing that, you know, it's okay to, to take a pause, to take a break, to take a step back, to make sure that I'm implementing, um, you know, healthy activities into my daily life. So I have a dog that I like to walk three or four times a day. That really helps get me out. It's very mindful. It really helps me kind of reset and reground um, but I think for me, it's just been really about setting boundaries. Yeah. And I love, yeah, like, again, like spending time on yourself is so important in the crypto space, I think more than ever, because I'm definitely more active in trying to meditate and going for walks and just mm -hmm. taking a breath outside, touching grass and stepping away because mm -hmm. it's so easy to get sucked in, especially with Twitter. Mm -hmm. It's like, as soon as I'm like, I'm just going to text Drew to tell him about the time to meet. <laughs> yeah for our podcast recording and then all of a sudden i'm sucked in i'm like how did i even yeah. get here and why am i here and it genuinely it makes me unhappy like it ruins my mood i'm like this mm -hmm. is not what i want to be doing right now yeah it's sure. it's definitely a practice and i'm glad you're yeah you have a dog too that can just force you outside like hey we have to exactly. go exactly and it's yeah. good it's a good reminder and it yeah, looks like you sure. also play some instruments behind yeah you. yeah i do i don't know if you can see them there i got a <laughs> you know a couple guitars and a banjo um, admittedly, I haven't been playing as much as I'd like to, um, but definitely also a very, you know, great tool, I think, you know, and it's so easy. Like if you have something, you know, a stressful moment, like I've just been like, instead of dwelling on, it, I'm like, I'm just going to grab my guitar, you know? And then like, after playing for 10 minutes, I just like, forget about it. Right. Um, Smart. and that's something that I really enjoy as well. And that's just something more for myself. I'm not someone that like goes out and performs or been, you know, been in a few bands over the years, but, um, it's just more of a personal thing. Right. It's just so like it just takes your mind off of everything else going on. And so whatever that is for people, whatever your guitar is, whatever your dog walk is like, you know, find it, um, you know, and make sure to just like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause it's different for everyone, but that's what I found has, has worked for me and been consistent throughout the years. Yeah. That's solid advice too, because yeah, especially in the, any tech scene, like developers, uh, work ethic, it just, go in all nighters, push it, go like develop mm -hmm. your code and like go to hackathons and just run yourself down into mm -hmm. development. And it's, it's difficult to like say, don't do that or do do that because sometimes great work happens in those moments. But also, you know, you hear the stories of how, of how much of a toll it takes on developers on their bodies physically. 
to go in that in that uh, route, and especially people who are starting companies like yourself, mm-hmm. you're constantly trying to support customers and letting a customer down is probably the last thing you want to do. Mm-hmm. And you always want to be as prompt as possible, but it's hard to remind yourself like, no, it's just, there's business hours. It's okay. They can wait. Like it's not going to be yeah. an urgent issue. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that I've been through, you know, the cycles of burnout before in the past. I know how like, you know, devastating that can be. And that, you know, it's for me in my career is like going 24 seven, like being on call in my job nonstop and always going in an hour, all hours of the night and working till midnight to get something done. And then like you ultimately burn out. And then in the end, like, you know, it hurts everyone, including your, yourself. Right. And so like, you know, I, there's some nights where I'm very tempted to just like pull an all nighter and power through something, you know, and it, you know, it might mean that something's delayed, you know, by a couple of days if I don't, but that's okay. Because like, you know, if I don't set that boundary, then I'm going to be the one that burns out and then things are going to be delayed for, you know, weeks or month when I have to reset and get back on track. Right. So I think that, you know, I found that, you know, nothing I'm doing is, you know, if it has to wait another day, it's not the end of the world. Right. And, and that's okay. (laughs) Do you, are you able to detect or give advice on when someone can detect burnout is coming or like how to stop before it happens? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, you know, I can say for me, the things that I've seen in myself is that, um, just losing that kind of motivation to really do anything, whether it's work or your hobbies, um, you know, that losing that kind of, you know, joy around things, you know, you see those kind of physical symptoms emerge of always being tired of, you know, being stressed out of, for me, it's like headaches. I get a lot of headaches, right. Of, Mm. you know, when I'm getting that point of burnout, like really bad, uh, struggling to sleep, struggling to get out of bed, those sorts of things. But for me, it's just like the losing joy in something, right. Um, feeling like every little thing that maybe isn't a positive, like affects you, like it's the biggest thing in the world. Right. So when I've been in like cycles of burnout in previous situations, it's like, okay, so maybe I got in this little disagreement with a coworker. That's so what that's life. But to me, that seemed like the biggest deal. And I just get, you know, so upset about it because you, you lose your capacity when you're burnt out to manage those emotions and manage those sorts of things. Right. So like, you know, every little thing kind of sets you off. You're really irritable. You're really frustrated, angry mm-hmm. about things. Right. Um, to me, that's how in the past it's, you know, really manifested itself. Right. Is that that inability to just cope with anything um, because you're putting all your energy into your work and all your energy into your just getting things done that you don't have that energy to then manage your mental health and, and to cope with things. Right. So that's for me, the things that, you know, where I've recognized when I was on that kind of cycle of burnout um, and that I need to kind of, Oh, you know, this is happening. I need to st- take a step back and reevaluate. And since being in this space, I'd say, thankfully that, you know, that hasn't happened, um, which is good. And I think maybe that's also a sign that I'm in the right place. <laughs> For sure. And mm-hmm. like, I, I know that you've been um, working on different projects and you've had mm-hmm. dozens of, you know, hundreds of blog posts and hundreds of um, podcast episodes. And through your experience doing that, I guess, how has that helped your work in crypto altruism? Because you offer advice and this is kind of a means of media and content to kind of show you know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And do you think doing those media contents and blog posts has given you a ROI that's recognizable or kind of just indirect? Yeah, for sure. I think that, you know, um, especially the podcast, I find very like, you know, the ROI is that I find it very like personally regenerative. Like it's really cool just like chatting with people and hearing yeah. their stories. It's so inspiring, right? You know, and that's another thing when, you know, I'm in a cycle of burnout too is like, you don't feel that inspiration that you used to. So I think that like 
having those conversations several times a week or, you know, with folks, I, I put out a podcast a week, but, you know, sometimes I'll have, you know, two or three interviews a week. It's just like nonstop, you know, inspiration, motivation, seeing the great work that people are doing. So that's a personal return on investment. I think that, you know, in terms of other return on investment and, um, you know, the, the podcast and the blog is, uh, you know, just a great way to connect with people, to form partnerships. I'd say for probably every blog or podcast episode I put out, I have people reaching out to me to be like, hey, here's you know how we can work together. Here's how we can support each other. You know, I'd say that the podcast and the blogs themselves like aren't the direct way that I, you know, bring in a lot of, um, you know, revenue per se for crypto altruism from a return on investment point of view that way. Um, I don't at this point run ads. I don't at this point um, do a lot of like things like affiliate marketing or anything like that. I'm focused on building the audience right now. Um, monetizing more through other means like Gitcoin grants is, you know, a really cool opportunity and those sorts of things. Right. Um, and just, you know, for, you know, folks sending me a little bit of crypto as a like contribution here and there and saying, thank you for you know, this article or this podcast episode. Um, so for me, I think when it comes to the blog and podcast, uh, the ROI is definitely more personal, right? Cause I really enjoy just telling those stories. I see so much inspiration. I, I get so much inspiration just hearing about the great work that I was doing and how they're using this technology for good. I feel like it's a thankless job, right? Because yeah, like I do podcasts too. And for me, it's just like you said, just talking to amazing people, doing amazing things. And it's very inspiring hearing you do your work. It's inspiring for me. So thank you for that. Oh, and thank you. <laughs> and it's it's nice to have that. And then you create a beautiful network of people that you can always call upon saying, Hey, I need some help with some yeah. some post or some activity, something. Like it's just having that notice out there. And then when you go to like like crypto conferences and your guests are also there you get to meet them in person it's really magical mm -hmm. and awesome to have that experience yeah yeah definitely yeah I, I mean i love that right it's and the community in this space is just the best like going to those conferences i've been to a couple lately have just been just been awesome just like meeting people and just seeing the like positivity in the space and yeah it is a, it's a great place to be to be building um you know if you're in that you know place where it's those that are focused on the positive and not the the negative side of things yeah and if someone it was going to you know i guess out of college or something start into the crypto space mm -hmm. do you have any advice for them yeah i think that you know my advice and i give the same advice to nonprofits that are trying to break in is to like find your community right i think you know on the nonprofit side of things for example no matter what the mission of a nonprofit is whether it's like you know, the environment, arts, fighting extreme poverty, you know, disaster response, there is some sort of project in the Web3 space that is working on that same, you know, challenge, right? Um, so find that community, um, start engaging with them. That's a really cool way to learn as well. You know, there might be opportunities to contribute if it's like a DAO or you know, to volunteer or to even potentially work for them. Um, so I'd say like find your community, whatever that is. If you're coming out of college and you're interested in, let's say, you know, law or something like that, there's some really cool organizations that are you know, working on the legal side of the space and, and working to try and you know, bring about positive regulation and working to, to share the good of the space with, you know, decision makers. Um, if you're interested in art, you know, there's so many opportunities there. Of course, if you're interested in business, there's, you know, many different ways that you can use those skills. So like, you know, you don't have to be like a tech person to engage in the space. And I think that that's one thing that I thought when I first got into here, no matter where you come from, there is opportunities in this space, If you know, no matter what your background is, right? these projects that are building from the ground up need people of all different skill sets and backgrounds. Yeah. I think my first piece of advice would be find your community or my, my first piece of advice would be like, don't be scared. Um, there is a space for you um, in the, in this ecosystem. And the second would be then, you know, find your community and start engaging and, and start learning, you know, sit in on some Twitter spaces, um, you know, go to a conference, 
and those sorts of things. It's it's a great way to connect with people and just learn and, and feel comfortable in the space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a funny because like being in that space, like finding your community. When I was first, like back in 2013, 2017 time, like all I could see was it's either you had to be a developer or a marketer to be in crypto. Mm-hmm. Now it's changed yeah. completely. Like there's a whole other <laughs> slew of different uh, opportunities for anyone to finally join in. And I love that. I'm like finally excited to see how now we can get anyone in crypto and they can do anything that they want to with their best skill sets and bring it in. Yeah. And it's so awesome to see like, more and more people joining. And yeah, as we go through bear markets and bull markets, the excitement might ebb and flow, but I feel like it's needed to weed out any people who are just trying to make money and kind of yeah, keep the people who are in crypto for crypto because of what it can offer the world. Yeah, for sure. And as you're in this industry, you've been in it for a while, I definitely want to know also, like, what's a crypto pet peeve that you have? Yeah, yeah. Crypto pet peeve, I think. Um, that's a good one. Um, I think just like the, oh, there's a lot of noise, I think, in this space, right? Like, you know, it's funny, you'll, you'll hop on like your social media accounts in the morning and you'll see the notifications and like half of them are just people like, you know, doing the like, oh, here's this new project that's so clearly a scam. Like, you need to invest in this new project or here's this, <laughs> oh, this huge airdrop of like XRP or, or you know, someone's like, no, this, you know, just that's my pet peeve is I think like, or, you know, like you uh, open your ledger account or something like that to look at your wallet and you get all these scam NFTs sent to you that's clogging up your, and it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, that, that's my pet peeve, I think, is like that noise, right? Of like the, the scammy noise and the scam. <laughs> um, it's hard to kind of get away from that, right? Um, it's hard to, uh, to because it, it just like, yeah, it's just in your face, right? So that's, I'd say would be my pet peeve. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of people that are building to try and like get away from that or try to combat that, which is good. And so, to combat it, I just, you know, focus on the positive, right? Um, look at the amazing stuff happening in the space. So it's not something that brings me down. It's more of just a little pet peeve annoyance, right? <laughs> For sure. And I totally understand what you mean because mm-hmm. you get all those like Polygon NFTs. That yeah, came. <laughs> every day. Every I'm day just it seems like, like uh... <laughs> why are you doing this? Like, stop. Yeah. And it's it's kind of interesting because it's so like apparent and obvious mm-hmm. in crypto. Like I'll look at all this noise. Mm-hmm. But in the real world, we get scam, you know, letters home we get scam oh, yeah. emails it's just like mm. every there's so much sp- billboards there's like spam everywhere <laughs> yeah. in our lives yeah and we just become used to it and numb just numb to it yeah but in crypto it's so apparent because it's new and involves money so more people are allowed about it yeah definitely i'm interested <laughs> if there's any uh, awesome protocols who are able to develop a way to filter out spam and that'd yes. be awesome because we need that and a lot more of that hopefully like yeah awesome like uh social media protocols like farcaster mm-hmm. would um find a way to deter bots and spammers from from using their platform i hope so yeah twitter is not doing so good at that even though they're trying yeah yeah not not yeah for sure it, it, it's tough right and so hopefully in time somebody will find a solution i don't know what that is um um but yeah i'm hopeful so what, what does your day look like? A typical day in Drew's life who just woke up? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, as we we're talking before, I've kind of uh, really shifted away from my like consultancy work. And that was also like a, a decision not, you know, for my you know personal mental health as well. I was finding that I was kind of in that side of things, feeling a little bit of burnout. Um, so my, mostly my day is focused on, on crypto altruism now, nowadays, right? And so really um, 
get up in the morning, usually start by working on uh, blog posts, well, social media usually to start, you know, checking in, responding to people, uh, responding to the emails, those sorts of things. I like to my, try my best to get that out of the way early in the morning. Um, so then I can focus on my kind of creative work. I'm not someone that has my emails come into my phone, my notifications come into my phone, because um, I get very distracted by that stuff. And it, um, you know, I can't do that. So I like to try and get that stuff done, you know, early in the day, then focus on, you know, the project work, you know, getting some blog posts done, getting some podcast episodes done. You know, I usually have a couple of meetings throughout the day, maybe a podcast recording. I like to try to pop into like, you know, Twitter spaces or webinars or those sorts of things offered in the space to kind of connect with other projects. I'll usually do that probably a few times a week. Um, and then, you know, either than that, it's just working on projects. It's working on the website. It's working on the Web3 Changemaker Toolkit. I put in a, you know, a few hours a day on those things as well. Um, I do really try to stick to like a eight to five, I would say, sort of thing. Since I don't have a commute, it's great. I usually, you know, do a workout in the morning, walk the dog, do some meditation, those sorts of things, and then hop right into work. And then I do try to stop at five o'clock so I can spend time, um, you know, with the people I love with and doing things that I love as well. So that's what I would say kind of an average day looks like. There isn't like a, you know, a specific formula. It really depends. Like some days I'll have nothing on the schedule, which is great. I can just work on, you know, passion projects. Sometimes I'll have, you know, two or three podcasts lined up in one day. Um, you know, so it really depends on the day. But uh, yeah, that's kind of, I'd say what what I do on the average. You don't have any secret tips like taking cold showers to wake you up and then <laughs> I do, do that actually I do, oh, do, do that yeah yeah you know it's funny because I'm like a night owl uh, uh -huh. naturally I would say I've always been a night owl but um you know having a dog that's really hyperactive I you know that gets me up at 6 a.m every day has been kind of helpful right but I still struggle so I do find that the cold showers help <laughs> definitely oh. um you know the, the working out certainly helps as well yeah um it's been a struggle though it hasn't been easy for me I think in that sense it's been a lot of like you know, going through really great periods where I'm really like, you know, kicking butt with that. And then somewhere I'm like, really like, you know, fall off the wagon from working out and those sorts of things. But, um, you know, it's, it's a work in progress for sure. Um, but I do, I do do the cold showers and I do also you know, try to do my morning kind of meditation stuff as well. I use the app uh, Balance, which I found to be really helpful in that sense. Uh, they put together like personalized plans for you, which is really cool based on your kind of experience and, and what you're doing in your life and everything like that. Uh, so that's been really helpful. Yeah. And I also find that like just engaging in like those Twitter spaces or listening to podcasts or going to webinars is something that's very rejuvenating in a sense as well. Just kind of connecting with other people. Because I think, you know, if you're working from home, if you're working in this space that's largely digital, that mm -hmm. can get lost, that human connection. So trying to find ways to still to still do that. Yeah, I think that's you, you hit the nail right on the head because being in that digital space, you're just... Yeah, everyone's behind a keyboard and lots of people mm -hmm. in, in crypto Twitter are like anonymous. So yeah, shit talking is just almost welcomed, <laughs> which is sad. Yeah. Even like the bigger influencers who I believe are good in, have good intentions mm -hmm. are also big, uh, just shit talkers and spam posters. Mm -hmm. And just like, you have to keep hating or can't keep using like language. That's kind of like aggressive. You have to like, be the change you want to see and it's like they're complaining about how crypto twitter is annoying yet they're also contributing to the noise and annoyance I'm yeah like, what are you what are you talking about you have yeah to exactly exactly <laughs> and it's just tough and everybody wants the same goal but the negativity is so infectious it's hard to like break through with like altruistic behavior wholesome behavior positive behavior yeah. Definitely. It doesn't get the votes and the algorithms don't support that. I was thinking of like, maybe I should start 
Farcaster client where AI recognizes positive toned messages like and that. puts that up on the rankings and anything that's like negative spammy just pushes down. Yeah, I like that. That'd be really cool. <laughs> something like that where like, yeah, focuses on amplifying like the positive as opposed to like the thing that's most likely to get the click, you know, yeah. or yeah, I love that. Because it is like a, it's like one of those things where you're looking at it and you can recognize your mind, just like the chemical, whatever chemicals are dumping into it. Like, oh, like I want to read this, even though I know I hate to look at this or like you see a YouTube thumbnail, like this is not what I want to look at. <laughs> but for yeah. some reason, your mind's just gravitating towards it. It's yeah, so, exactly. it's that's where meditation comes in, where you have to like recognize what's happening and kind of choose your path intentionally. Yeah, but it's, it's not easy to do. Uh, it is not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so are there any um, specific projects that you are working on or you can share about that you are excited to just explain about or share? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for me right now, the big one is definitely the the toolkit that I've been working on. That's been really taking up a lot of my time. Um, you know, I've really, I'm really trying hard to kind of, you know, get that out the door in the next uh, couple of months. I also launched a new podcast series, which is really cool. And this was with, yeah. in partnership with Endowment. Uh, which is a great project. Um, I'm going to plug them for a second because I think they're a project that I'm really excited about because like not only are they, it's great that they're like, you know, helping make it easier to donate, you know, crypto and for nonprofits to accept crypto, but they're also like leveraging things like they're partnering with Gitcoin to have like a really cool matching pool that uses quadratic funding. I'm, I'm not sure how familiar you are with quadratic funding or not, mm -hmm. um, but for maybe Do those I, listening that aren't yeah. as familiar, yeah, it's like, whereas in like a traditional matching campaign where if you donate like a dollar, uh, you might get matched a dollar. Um, this instead allocates more matching funds to the projects get, that get the most widespread community support in terms of the most unique individuals that support it. And why this is important is because, you know, in traditional matching campaigns, let's say that there's a hundred, there's a million dollars up for matching and there's 20 different projects or nonprofits that are in that pool. Somebody could come in and donate a million dollars to a project that they're passionate about and then get all the matching funds, right? Whereas in this uh, new quadratic funding mechanism, what it does is it gives more matching funds to the projects that have the most unique individuals that support it. So it helps democratize it, make it more, more fair. Uh, it can make it so that like somebody who donates $1,000 might get like a $2,000, $3,000 match, but somebody that you know, donates $20 might get their a match by like a factor of like 10 or so, right? Like it's, it's, it really depends on like how many you know, people contribute to each project. There's, there's, I go to, uh, so there's a project, um, a website called, WTF is QF. I think it's WTF is QF.com. So like what the F is QF um, that really does a good job of explaining it, but essentially it shifts the power away from like the larger, you know, donors to, to the smaller donors in a sense by making it so that the projects that have the most widespread community support get the most matching funds. So that was kind of, I did a terrible job explaining that. I usually do a better job. <laughs> apologize. Um, but they're leveraging that so that uh, any donation that's made through their platform, the quadratic uh, funding algorithm then, uh, allocates matching funds to the nonprofits on their platform that receive the most uh, overall individual unique contributions. So it's a really cool uh, system. So a uh, big fan of the work that they're doing. But anyways, yeah, so with their support, we launched this new podcast series called the Web3 Nonprofit um, that um, is uh, interviewing uh, different nonprofit leaders about how they're using Web3 for good. And so we put out the first five episodes. The nice. next five episodes are coming out starting next week, which I'm really excited about. And the first episode is with a great group called the Solar Foundation, which is essentially looking to create kind of like decentralized solar grids in underserved areas, uh, which is really cool. That's something I'm really excited about is, is that podcast series, um, the, uh, the Web3 Nonprofit, the Web3 Changemaker Toolkit, of course, that I'm working on. 
Um, I'm also participating in a couple of grant uh, rounds through Gitcoin and through Optimism as well. I'm a huge fan of like those. It's so cool just seeing like people come together, like build community around that, um, support one another, uplift different projects. So I'm a huge fan and supporter of Gitcoin. So that's a project I'm really passionate about. So for folks listening in, that's a great thing to look into, especially if you're a public good builder in Web3. Some really cool opportunities there to, to build community and get funding, as well as Optimism's uh, retro uh, public goods funding program, which is a really cool way to retroactively reward public good funders too. So those are a couple of projects that I'm really excited about. It's not ones that I'm working on, but ones that I think are really cool and really exciting and uh, doing some groundbreaking work to make sure that you know funding is getting to these public goods projects in the space. That's amazing. And yeah, like you said, it's just so nice to see so many amazing projects building mm-hmm. and helping out other public goods. Like Gitcoin did a, well, it's the most uh, recognizable name in helping out fund uh, public good projects. And a lot of other companies are on board with that. I think uh, ClearFund is one of them too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Really Giveth also does quadratic Giveth, funding as yeah. well. Yeah. And Octant, mm-hmm. Octant is new from Golem doing that too. So yeah. it's becoming more popular and that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's not like fading away, which I was so worried about with Bitcoin. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's going to fade away. Is, is that shell conspiracy going to like make it yeah, go away? Yeah. But like, <laughs> no, it's all good. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're going to continue building, developing. Companies will continue to need them and be great. And they're definitely grateful for what they're offering. So it's a very exciting future for all that. And one of the last questions I wanted to ask you too was, um, what is your favorite wholesome crypto moment? So something in the crypto industry that's made you feel good, proud of to be in part of it and excited. For me, I think my, you know, my wholesome moment for sure was, I think, participating in, in Gitcoin as a grantee. You know, I think um, participating in my first round was the Gitcoin beta round, I think about six months or so ago. Um, it was very wholesome to me because I like went in, I was a lot smaller as an organization at the time, you know, crypto altruism didn't have as much of a following, didn't have as much of an impact. And so I went into that saying, this is, you know, maybe it's a way I can raise funds or some, you know, let's see, you know, maybe it'll help me build a sustainable business from it. But what was really the most wholesome experience from that was the community around it. Um, there was folks that created a 24 seven Twitter space for the whole duration of that, um, oh, wow. called Gitcoin Radio that was all run by volunteers that were, you know, participating in Gitcoin that each took like hour slots every day. Um, you know, and it was just a place for people to come and chat about their work and the uplift projects they were passionate about. Um, it was also just really seeing, you know, everyone step up and, and support one another and uplift one, one another. And it's like that spirit of like, you know, collaboration over competition in Web3 that to me is so wholesome as well, right? So I think like participating in my first Gitcoin granting round was to me probably the most recent wholesome moment. I'm um, just seeing the community come together, support not only my work, but one another and uplift each other and, and just build community and, and engage in really cool dialogue about the power of this technology. So yeah, really, really exciting stuff. That's awesome. And I love that because I wish there was more noise for wholesomeness and just more noise on people supporting each other. I feel like there's a lot of subtlety in that and a lot of people recognize that, but it's not the uh, crowd pleaser for some reason. And I hope it does become that one day. And yeah. I think with your work, it's on its way. I think with what other companies are doing, it's on its way. Mm-hmm. Slow and steady for sure. And once we, um, once the majority of people start understanding that, I think it's going to really revolutionize what we're working on. Yeah. But until then, we'll just keep pushing and try not to get burned out. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's a, It's a challenge, but... You know, and we're all learning together too. And I, you know, I say to folks too, that like, you know, they're trying to like break into the space or learn or find that balance is that like, we're all doing it together. Like everyone here is relatively new 
because mm-hmm. it's a new space, right? So nobody's really like a, you know, unless you're like, you know, Vitalik or Satoshi, or, you know, nobody's really an expert, right? Uh, in this space, we're all kind of still learning and growing. I wouldn't call myself an expert. I'm still learning and growing. I'm still relatively new to the space. So, you know, it's easy to have that feeling of imposter syndrome. Um, mm-hmm. And that can also make folks feel burnt out or, or you know, yeah. So don't feel that. Recognize that <laughs> we're all learning. We're all figuring this out together. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Drew. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you for Crypto Altruism. I hope everyone visits and it helps with your campaign and helps with your project. Thank you. And I really appreciate you joining me today. Let's definitely keep in touch. Yes, please. Let's keep the conversation going. I definitely have to have you on my podcast at some point too in the near future. <laughs> nice. um, so thank you so much, Rudy, for uh, for having me. It's been a, It's been a pleasure being here. Thank you.